When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you go down to the woods today, you're sure for a big surprise. If you go down to the woods today, you'd better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain, because today is the day the teddy bears have their picnic. Except there are no teddy bears in this forest, and the only picnic is you and your children. Deep inside the centre of this forest, you'll find a clearing, a small patch of land separate from the rest, marked by a picket fence made of human bones. There you will find the hag's hut, where there is a phrase you need in order to enter. Turn your back to the forest, your front to me. If your children are indeed alive, then I wish you the best of luck, for this is her forest. If you are too late, then it doesn't matter, because very few ever return, and those who do never go back, and they never speak of what they saw. At least, most of them. Some foolishly believe that they can help others before she comes back to finish what she started, whereas the rest believe what they saw wasn't real. The Boogeyman is just a story told to scare children, and she is no different. Baba Yaga is just the name. Or is it? Most of us remember those stories we were told as children that attempted to scare us into behaving ourselves. Whether it was the boogeyman, a Christmas demon, or a cannibalistic witch in the woods, they all had the same intention. Today we are indeed diving back into the wonderfully weird world of Slavic folklore, with the tale of Baba Yaga, or Baba Yaga. For anyone planning on leaving a John Wick reference, now is your time to leave your pencil-related comments down below. Baba Yaga is a name that appears all across the Slavic territories of Europe, but the origin and meaning of this name, much like Slavic folklore in general, is a bit all over the place. Now as someone who doesn't speak any of the Slavic languages, babushka is the first word that comes to mind, but that may also just be because it's the only word I remember that isn't a curse word. The word baba itself seems to be rooted in several Slavic languages, and today it's commonly used to refer to an elderly woman or one's grandmother, just like babushka. In older forms of Russian it was used to refer to a midwife and even a fortune teller, so it's hard to take any real definitive meaning other than woman. The second part of the name Yaga or Yaga is even more ambiguous than the first, meaning anything from anger and horror to witch, evil and serpent. This led many to believe that Baba could have simply helped to distinguish or identify a female character, so I guess an evil or scary elderly woman is about as close as we can get to a direct translation. With Baba Yaga we have a very interesting and unique character, because her story is not the classic one-dimensional boogeyman or I guess boogie woman-esque story that you may have come to expect. 
It's almost like telling your children that if they misbehave, Baba Yaga, the evil old hag, will come and eat them. But if they're good, she's a sweet old grandmother figure who will help them. The characters in these stories may almost be the polar opposites to each other, but it shows that there is more to Baba Yaga than just an evil side. Despite how different these two approaches are, the goal of these stories is ultimately the same, to make children behave, whether that's through the fear of consequence or an alluring incentive. Listen here, little Timmy. You better eat those Brussels sprouts, or that creepy old woman across the street is going to eat your heart and grind your bones into dust to snort later. You want that to happen? No? Eat your vegetables. But if you're a good little Timmy who eats all of his Brussels sprouts, then Baba Yaga will help you when you're in need. Two pretty different approaches, but the goal is the same. To stop little Timmy being a turd. Now I know some of you may not like the idea of death threats, bribery, and scaring kids into behaving themselves, and you're probably right, it's not exactly the most healthy practice. I'm sure nowadays taking your child's phone away and telling them, no more Fortnite Timmy, is the equivalent to the modern day boogeyman, but that's nowhere near as fun or interesting. So who was Baba Yaga, and what was her story? The first recorded mention of her name was by the Russian author Mikhail Lomonosov in his work Rasiska Grammatica, which pretty much just means Russian grammar. Here Mikhail mentions her name twice, with one of these being in a section where the Slavic deities are compared to the Roman deities their inspiration was presumed to have come from. But Baba Yaga appears by herself, reinforcing the notion that she was a unique Slavic creation, void of any Greek and Roman influence. As the years went by, stories of an old bony hag who lived in the woods began to spread. Her house stood on two chicken legs, and she rode around through the forest in a giant pestle and mortar. And this is why I enjoy Slavic folklore, because it's so unapologetically weird that it's hard to not be amused by it. When you think of witches, the most generic image that comes to mind probably involves a pointed hat, a black cat, and a broomstick to ride around on. But not the Slavs. Instead, Baba Yaga climbs inside of her giant mortar and uses her equally as big pestle to steer. Which, when you really think about it, is actually quite efficient. Because when you're kidnapping children and grinding their bones to dust, you're going to want to have your pestle and mortar at hand when you finally catch one of the little gremlins. She does still carry around a broom, but this is to sweep away any tracks she may have left so disgruntled villagers can't find her. In the different stories and narratives she appears in, Baba Yaga does have several depictions with some quite interesting symbolism behind them. She may have a frail shape, but her teeth are sharp enough to gnaw through bones, and sometimes even depicted as being metal. Her legs are often extremely skinny, which lends to one of her nicknames, Bony Leg. This is often thought to imply some kind of demonic influence or power, because of a poem by Nikolai Nekrasov in 1840. The poem was titled Baba Yaga the Bony Leg. In this poem, he says the devil cooks 12 evil women into one to be just as evil as himself. And the result is Baba Yaga, who goes out into the world to do evil and returns to hell for her reward. Nekrasov's description is as follows. She has fangs and nostril hairs so long they hang down to her breast. She has huge ears, horns on her forehead and holes instead of eyes, wearing a toadskin cap and a snakeskin coat. Clearly Nekrasov saw her as more of a demon than a sweet old lady. 
An interesting piece of symbolism comes from her house or hut, which stands on two chicken feet and is able just to get up and walk away at any time. Strangers also can't just walk into the house without saying the phrase, turn your back to the forest, your front to me. Whether this caused a door to appear or simply unlocked the front door is down to your own imagination, but the first certainly has a more magical feel. This phrase was also thought to stop the house when it's moving through the forest. When it comes to Baba Yaga's house, the obvious question is, why does it have chicken feet? I remember when I first heard the story, I just brushed it off as, well, everyone loves chicken, obviously. But when you look at it from a more symbolic point of view, it makes a tad more sense. Baba Yaga is often shown as either a grandmother or crone figure, and then there's her more sinister side which is ugly, dangerous and wild. Regardless of which, you'd expect both those figures to be somewhat resourceful, a grandmother using whatever she can find to feed her family. And the same can be said for someone isolated living in the woods, there's no choice but to be self-sufficient. So how the hell does all of this tie into chicken feet? Well, the feet would have been seen as an undesirable part of the chicken, and I'm sure there are people out there who are just like, what is this guy talking about? Chicken feet are delicious. And I'm sure they are. But when it came to royalty, heroes, and the wealthy, they would have had their choice cut. The wings, the breast, or the thigh. The less desirable parts of the chicken, such as the feet, would have been either thrown out or given to the peasants. And no, that isn't me calling you a peasant if you eat chicken feet. You're just a weirdo who eats chicken feet. So Baba Yaga then building her house out of unwanted scraps is a testament to her resourcefulness. And maybe it's meant to show regardless of how something may appear, everything has its use. There are some, however, who believe these chicken feet were actually just stilts. And this belief stems from the indigenous people of Siberia, who would store their food in small huts supported on stilts to keep their supplies away from animals. The roots of these trees may at times resemble chicken feet. There's also some symbolism behind her pestle and mortar, which at first glance may just seem like a weird choice to travel around in. For those who don't know, a pestle and mortar is often used to grind all sorts of things, but mostly herbs and spices. So it would have been used by physicians and others attempting to make medicine, but it also would have been used by those practicing witchcraft. So the pestle and mortar can be seen as symbolizing her two personas. One of the most famous stories she appears in is the fairy tale Vasilisa the Beautiful, which was part of a collection of tales collected by Alexander Afanasim. As you may have guessed, the story centers around a young girl named Vasilisa. When she was eight years old, her mother passed away and left her a small wooden doll. She told Vasilisa that if she was ever in need of help, all she had to do was feed the doll and it would aid her. When her mother died, she gave the doll some food and it came to her and comforted her. Eventually, her father moved on and married once again, but this stepmother was a wicked and cruel woman who worked Vasilisa to the bone. But with her wooden doll by her side, she was able to perform each task that was asked of her. As the name of the story tells us, Vasilisa was extremely beautiful, and she was often visited by young men who expressed their interest. Her stepmother rejected all proposals from these suitors because her daughters were older and thus they should be married first. But none of the suitors would choose them over Vasilisa, and so she was stuck at home slaving away. Her father being a merchant had to embark on a rather long journey, and her stepmother took advantage of this, selling their home and moving them into a dark and gloomy forest. 
On one particular evening, each girl was told to put out all of the fires in the house except for one candle. However, one of the older daughters put out this candle by mistake, and Vasilisa was held responsible. Her stepmother then sent her to retrieve the light they had lost from Baba Yaga's hut. The young girl was unsure as to whether this was a wise idea, because she had heard tales of Baba Yaga before, and these only filled her with dread. So she took out her wooden doll and fed it some crumbs. It calmed her nerves and then advised her to go see Baba Yaga. Early the next morning, she began her journey. As she ventured further into the forest, she came across a man dressed in all white, riding a white horse, who paid her no attention. Not long after, another man rode by, this time dressed in red with a red horse. She then came across a fence made of human bones that surrounded a house that stood on two chicken legs. As she stood there contemplating whether or not she should go inside, a third rider came by, this time dressed in black, and with him came Nightfall. The skulls that made up the fence began to glow, but Vasilisa determined to retrieve the light remained by the fence until Baba Yaga came flying by in her pestle and mortar, only to find a young girl waiting for her. She agreed to give Vasilisa the fire that she came for, but only if she completed a series of tasks first. This also came with the caveat that if she failed, then she would kill the child, but to her credit she accepted this offer. These tasks, however, were no different to what she was doing for her stepmother, and consisted of cleaning, cooking, and doing laundry. But when those chores were done, she would have to separate poppy seeds from the soil and the good corn from the rotten corn. The sheer amount of work that needed to be done was too much for Vasilisa, who was exhausted. She began to lose all hope, until her doll came to her aid once again, completing the work while she slept. At the crack of dawn, the white horseman rode by, followed by the red in the afternoon and the black horseman in the evening. With this last horseman, Baba Yaga returned home. She inspected the work done by Vasilisa and had no complaints. With her, she had three pairs of severed hands that inspected the corn for her. She then explained that the white rider was day, the red was the sun, and the black rider was the night. Knowing that the tasks she set the girl were almost impossible, she inquired as to how she was successful. Vasilisa replied with her mother's blessing. This enraged Baba Yaga, and she told the girl that she would have no one with a blessing of any kind in her house. She gave her a skull lantern full of burning coal from her fence, and sent her on her way home. When Vasilisa returned home, she found out that her stepmother and stepsisters were unable to light any of the candles or fires in their home. They tried bringing lamps and torches from outside, but the second they stepped inside, they were snuffed out. The coals that she brought with her in the skull, however, burned bright. So bright that they engulfed her stepmother and stepsisters, burning them to ashes. She then buried the skull underneath her house so it could cause no more harm. Vasilisa then moved to the capital and became a clothmaker, where her exceptional skills meant she would work for the royal family, and eventually marry a prince. This story is interesting because it fits the description of Baba Yaga we mentioned earlier. She isn't entirely evil as she's willing to help Vasilisa, but she has to earn it. And then we see the slightly darker side when she tells the girl that if she cannot perform these tasks, then she'll kill her. The reason she had such an aggressive reaction to Vasilisa mentioning her mother's blessing may have something to do with the stories of Baba Yaga being the devil's grandmother. So naturally, she would have an aversion to the idea of blessings and all sorts of things that would ward off evil. 
We also see the introduction of the horsemen in this story. I know when I mentioned the three horsemen in the previous video, a lot of people seemed to think I had them confused with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but they don't seem to have much relation. The three horsemen are instead symbolic of the day, the sun, and the night. It's common for Baba Yaga to be described as having control over the elements within the forest, and the horsemen are a pretty good example of that. What also stood out to me were the parallels between this story and other popular fairy tales such as Cinderella. You have the underappreciated main character, the wicked stepmother making her do chores, and the ugly stepsisters. Another story that instead highlights the idea of Baba Yaga as this triple crone figure that we see in games such as The Witcher 3 is the Maiden of Tsar, which follows a merchant's son named Ivan as he visits the home of all three Baba Yagas. When he arrives at the first house, he is greeted by a very old woman. He asks her if she knows where the thrice tenth kingdom is, to which she responds that she does not, but her sister may. Ivan continues through the forest until he comes across a hut identical to the first, but inside is a much younger looking woman, and he asks her the same question. She also tells Ivan that she doesn't know, and maybe her other sister may know, but she also warns Ivan that this sister may try to eat him. If this should happen, she tells Ivan to ask her sister for three horns and her permission to blow them. The first must be blown softly, the second louder, and the third even louder. After some time, Ivan comes across the same hut once again, and inside is the youngest of all three sisters. As the other sister predicted, she plans to kill Ivan and eat him. He pleads with her to give him the three horns, and seeing no harm in doing so, she does. He blows on the first softly, then louder with the second, and as loud as he possibly could with the third. Blowing these horns caused the house to be swarmed by hundreds of birds. Among these birds is a giant firebird, which tells Ivan to jump on its back so they can escape before he's eaten, and they do so, and that is the end of the story. In The Witcher 3, you have a questline that centers around the Ladies of the Wood, or the Three Crones, which appears to be a reference to the stories of Baba Yaga as three sisters. When we first see them in a tapestry, they appear as young and beautiful, but later in person they are old, decrepit, and quite repulsive. On their person we see severed hands and toy dolls, referring back to the story of Vasilisa. But we also see other body parts of children, as well as talk of eating young boys and girls. There's even a rider dressed in a black suit of armour that does their bidding. None of this is really a surprise, because CD Projekt Red are very good when it comes to integrating traditional folklore into The Witcher, and the scenes with these three crones are a testament to this. I think the most recent depiction we see of Baba Yaga in the mainstream is the Hellboy movie, where to say she isn't the most pleasant looking individual is the understatement of the year. Without spoiling too much, she's a one-eyed hag with wooden legs and a taste for human children. Baba Yaga is a figure shrouded in mystery. We don't really know how old she is or where she came from. It's this ambiguity that makes her a great character, and she has featured in numerous animations and movies where she appears as both the villain and as a more helpful individual, though some question if she was ever meant to be seen this way, implying she only helps when it's in her own interest. There are even some questions over her status as a witch, because although she has been labelled as such, and may even behave and possess some of the qualities you'd expect, 
there are many factors that do not fit the stereotypical image. We also have no definitive answer as to where these stories originated from. Many of the written mentions and stories came from Russian scholars, but there are references to a figure named Jezi Baba from the Western Slavs and Baba Khorizma or Baba Roga from the Southern Slavic region. So it's pretty safe to say that she appeared everywhere amongst the Slavic people in various different forms and by a host of different names. So which interpretation do you prefer? An evil witch who devours children? A kind old lady who helps those in need? Or a self-serving elderly woman who is neither good nor bad, but merely driven by self-interest? Maybe you prefer the three sisters that appear in The Witcher and the story of Ivan. Let me know in the comments below. And if you are someone who grew up with these stories, I'd love to hear from you. As always, I've been your host, Mythology and Fiction Explained, reminding you to eat your Brussels sprouts. Especially if your name is Timmy.